Once again, good morning to each of you. Glad that you are here. And while Chris was speaking about the egg drop, I looked down and checked my app. There are only 13 spots available. So if you want to sign up, you better do it. Hey, and the other thing I want to say is we are really, really excited um, about this event because of the opportunity it is to serve people in the greater Boston area. And I say greater Boston. It was really a ton of fun to look at the amount of people that came last year and where they came from, which was all over. The other opportunity I want to mention to you is not just to attend the event, but so many of you who may not get excited about um, eggs falling out of a helicopter, you can sign up to be a part of it by serving. Uh, last year, it took just right at 100 people, minimum, okay? As you can imagine, uh, with 3,500 people uh, that sign up for an event, it takes a minimum of 100 to really pull off that event successfully. So our team is working hard to make that day a great day for this community and for all that come. And if you're interested in being a part of it, if you go to sign up and you're like, you know what, I didn't make the sign up, that's totally okay. We will never close the volunteer registration. I'm just, just for the record. You know, if you're like, oh, I didn't get to sign up, I'd say that's just too bad. You can sign up. You can help us out. So um, thanks once again for being here. Excited to share this uh, week three of the series, uh, bottom of the ninth. And the last two messages, if I could just kind of coalesce and just kind of bring it um, together in a, in a summary to build on today, there's moments in life when we don't know what to do. In those bottom of the ninth moments, when we, when we believe that we need help, we just don't know what to do. It's often in those moments that God steps in. It's those moments when God steps in, like last week when we read from the book of Numbers, when God's people were in the desert. Some of you may know this story. God's people were in the desert and they needed help, and God at the right time and in the right season provided for them. And I know that you and I can easily connect when we tell our own stories or reflect on our own stories, or you reflect on someone in your family or a friend, and you look at these moments in life that are just hard when people need help. Well, week three of this series, we're going to be looking at not of your moments in life that are difficult or your bottom of the ninth moments, but really in other people's lives. What does it look like for us as a Christian people, to step into the lives of those that need help. Because you know, there are people around you in this room today and in your circle of friends, your coworkers, your family, they just need help, right? And they don't know what to do. We've all been in those moments. I'm going to put this simple sentence on the screen for you. But it says this, this is the moment in life when people have a need that is beyond themselves. It's the moment in life when people have a need that is beyond themselves. Now, I know we're talking about others and not just you, but you know what that feels like, don't you? You ever had a moment when you literally just say, I don't know what to do. Like, I really just don't know what to do. It could be a drama situation where it's a relational struggle, and you've done all that you think you know how to do, and you've done what other people have recommended, but it's still not working. You just almost... a slam the fist down on the table type of moment. I don't know what to do. Financially, I don't know what to do. Relationally, I don't know what to do. What about when other people have those moments and they just don't know what to do with themselves? What's our response to that? And some of us could say today in this room, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus and you're going to really connect with what I'm about to tell you. Some of you may be exploring faith for the first time or maybe you've been exploring. Like I talked to a guy two weeks ago. He's been exploring for years and he's open to faith in Christianity. He's open to faith in Jesus. He's just not there yet. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, 
I hope that you'll connect with what I'm about to say. The reason that Jesus did what he did 2,000 years ago was because we could not um, meet the very need that we had. The Bible tells the story that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity. Why? Because we could not forgive ourselves. We needed the forgiveness of a Savior. And Jesus stepped in our bottom of the ninth moment when we could not do it ourselves. When we didn't even know we needed a Savior. Jesus offered this forgiveness for us by what he did on the cross. He stepped into our lives and offered this. And so many people don't know that yet, right? The Bible actually tells another story where, where it talks about Jesus. The, the reason that he has not yet come again, the Bible speaks about him coming again, is because the gospel, this good news, has not been preached in all the world. People all around the world today that do not know that Jesus loves them. And you may be in this room today and, 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 know, and not know that Jesus loves you. He stepped into our lives when we needed him. That's why it's our responsibility in this moment and in this series as we talk about. It's our responsibility. If you say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, it's our responsibility to step into other people's lives when they need help because they don't know what to do themselves. You've been a moment when you're like, I think I'm supposed to say something. What do I do? And this is, a, this is just a question. What do I do? You're, you're talking to me, Pastor, right? What do I do when someone else needs help? That's a terrible pressure, isn't it? You're like, I know I'm supposed to say something, but I don't know what to say. I know you need something, but I don't have anything to give. I know you need advice, but I don't even know what to tell myself when I'm in trouble. What am I, much less, what am I supposed to tell you? I remember my first job, I was still in seminary, and I was hired by a small church in South Carolina. Um, even people that live in the same county where I lived are like, where's Jackson? You know, no offense if you're listening and you're from Jackson, South Carolina. I mean, people don't even know. It's a small town, small church, and this pastor hired me, and I was studying, going through school, and his name's Mark Reiser. I love Mark Reiser. He's still the pastor there to, to this day. But one of my first days on the job, I walked in, and he said, hey, son. He still calls me son. Hey, son, um, we're going to the hospital today. Now, I don't know about you. You ever walked into a hospital room? and you know they need something, you just don't know what to say. Someone that's on their back, and they're hurting, right? And they don't know whether they're facing death or not. It's a tough place to be. And as a pastor, all of my experience, I mean, first day on the job, we're going to the hospital, and he said, hey, so we're going to visit some folks today, and I want you to take the lead. I'm like, oh, snap. Listen, pastor, no. <laughs> How about you take the lead and I learn from you? He said, no, just come in there, just pray with them and, you know, read some scripture and, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. Like I was scared to death. If you ask me right now, one of the most two scary moments in my pastoral ministry was the first time I walked into the hospital and I'm the pastor. I have all the answers. Like I don't even need the Bible because I've memorized it all. And I'm going to pray this perfect prayer and you're going to feel better about it and not worry about things. Like I did, that was just a pressure moment. Second thing, I'll just tell you the most difficult moments in ministry are funerals, right? Because you try to celebrate the life, but the fact is everyone's sad and everyone's listening to you talk. They're just tough. They're just really tough. But I walked into the room and I said, now, Mark, what do I say again? He said, just, just talk to him. <laughs> now, the relator personality side of me, I don't mind that. I can talk to you, right? I don't mind talking to people. I like talking to strangers, so 
Not all strangers like to talk to me. Maybe that's a problem with me. But I just like to talk to people. So I go into the room. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, my heart was beating like out of my chest. And they look at me. And I remember this old lady. Never forget. It's the first moment Rachel laughed at me for a long time. She, I walked in the room and she said, who are you? And my next natural question was like, who are you? I mean, I didn't know what to say. Like, what's your name again? What am I here for? Like, my head's swimming because I'm supposed to say something of value. I'm supposed to say something pastoral, and I don't know what to say. You've all had those moments when you just don't know what to do, but you know you need to do something, right? And I can say today is not about the tips and tricks, so to speak, of what you should say and how you should enter a room. Though you've learned a lot in your life about how to engage and encourage people, I've learned a lot about how to, how to listen well and engage people and respond. That's not what today's about. Today is about what people really need. You can offer them. What people really need is Jesus. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do, right? I, I get that, and I, I, I'm the same way. But what people really need is Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian in this room, you say, okay, I know Jesus. I have a faith in Jesus, and I know that people need Jesus, but they don't know, so that's hard. So am I, what am I supposed to do? Just like say, hey, you need Jesus. Uh, that's hard. That's awkward. I'm a pastor. People would expect me to say something like that, especially if I walked into a hospital room, right? But if you're exploring faith, you may say, well, what is that? What does that look like? And I would say to you, if you're exploring faith, what you really need and who you really need is a Savior. And there's this incredible story in the Bible that captures the two major points today. And I want to read it to you. It will be up on the screen. It also is in the app. If you've downloaded the app on EncounterChurch.com forward slash app, the scripture will be loaded in there as well. But I want to read to you this incredible story of four men who knew what a man that they needed to help. They knew what he really needed. And it was Jesus. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read uh, the story, verses 1 through 12, and it'll be on the screen. Here we go. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, this is talking about Jesus and his travels, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. How would you like that homecoming? Right? You've been working, you've been traveling, you've been healing people. I mean, not you, this is Jesus, right? You've been, you've been doing a lot of work, and he goes home. He can't get away from people, right? There's this movement of Jesus, and people are interested in what he's talking about, what he's doing. People have heard about the healings. He goes home, he's sitting home. People are crowded around him, right? Many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, of course, all around the house, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, 
and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. A mentor of mine used to say, Just imagine the scripture with all five senses, right? Imagine you could see the sight, imagine you could smell the smells, imagine you can hear the sounds, all the people crowded around Jesus, they're interested in him. Was Jesus doing healings at the time? Specifically, we know from this scripture, he was teaching them. That's what he was doing. Imagine Jesus sitting, teaching. There's so many people inside his home. I imagine it's a little bit smaller than my cape, even though I feel like I have the smallest house on earth sometimes. Any other cape folks know that? Yeah, the smallest house in New England, right? No, not really. This is a small house, and it's crowded, right? And they're all around the walls. They're at the door listening in. I imagine even though they said there's no room at the door, that means the door was open. They just couldn't get to it, right? They're, they're, they're just listening, and they're, they're, they're trying to hear from Jesus. And there's these four men. I love it. There's a lot of famous people in Scripture. We don't know their names. We don't know their stories. Like These four men are famous because of this story in Mark chapter 2. Imagine you got a paralytic, right? a friend, who is paralyzed and sick and needs help. He can't walk. And imagine you're like, you know what? I know what we can do. I don't know if this paralytic had gone to the temple before and asked God to heal him and he never did. I imagine so. I imagine that people that are in tough spots like that would cry out to God. There's people that don't believe in God that cry out to him, right? I know it's crazy, but they're like, I need help, right? Imagine this guy was in help. I mean, he needed help and he had four friends. I love what the story doesn't say, right? We could imagine the conversations. Hey, 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 hey. I know this is crazy. I know you've tried this before, but I know a guy named Jesus. I think he can help you. This is the moment when four men had the faith that they said, no matter what, what we're going to do is we're going to get him before Jesus. There are other methods of anointing with oil and prayers and all different types of methodologies they would have in this particular day of ways that God could possibly heal them or a God could possibly heal them. But four men had the faith to look at a man that was paralyzed and said, I know who you need. You need Jesus. And it wasn't just their faith that brought this man to Jesus. It was the way that their faith was described in this story. Imagine that you're Jesus or imagine you're listening to Jesus, better yet, teaching in this room. And all of a sudden you hear some clawing at the roof above you, right? Like, are those the birds chirping? And you're looking for seed? No. What was going on? They look up, and all of a sudden, a little hole in the roof. And all of a sudden, it gets bigger, and they move this patch that they're going to fix later because it wasn't as bad. Like, to fix this roof was a little bit easier than to fix your roof, right? I don't recommend that methodology if you're going to a party and there's no room for you to walk in, right? You just do whatever you have to do. Knock a window. That was a little bit easier. I know it sounds crazy to put a hole in the roof, but... They could fix it as long as they had some water and some good sunlight the next couple of days, right? But they make a hole in the roof, and they lower him. Like, wait, Okay, the guy's a paralytic. He doesn't need to be climbing upstairs. Like, could you imagine the effort that they went through to get this guy to the roof to say, hey, stay right here? <laughs> He's like, yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. And so they sit him on the roof. Like, what in the world? I can't even imagine what this would be like. Just stay right there, okay? Make a hole, lower him down. Imagine Jesus going, what? You know? And these people listening to Jesus thinking, what is going on? Jesus stops his teaching because he's interrupted. Jesus always dealt with interruptions really well, right? I wish I did. Anybody else? 
Yeah, I wish I dealt with interruptions really well. And Jesus looks and says, your sins are forgiven. If you were the paralytic, what would you be thinking? Like, I, hey, listen, I just want to walk, man. <laughs> right? I just, I came here to, these guys told me about you. And there's this moment. Now, this isn't like, oh, wow, look at Jesus healing. No, this fires up the room. The room gets fired up, right? Because like, wait, 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 wait. People were interested in Jesus' teaching. And some people didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, right? There's Pharisees. There's teachers of the law. They had this version of who the Messiah was supposed to be. And a lot of people didn't believe it was Jesus. So you have people in the room say, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say that. And Jesus didn't heal people just to be patted on the back, right? Jesus did miracles to grab the attention of people that God might be glorified. Like Jesus did this, and he's like, I mean, crazy. I think, Jesus, you got this out of order. Aren't you supposed to like heal the man first and then talk about his sins? No, no, no. He went right to the heart of his life, and he said, I forgive you. And I wonder why. Why did he forgive him first? How could he forgive him? Didn't the guy ask? Like sometimes I, I expect someone to say, I'm sorry before I forgive them. Anybody? Anybody? You're like, I forgive you, but only if you ask, right? Jesus wasn't that way sometimes. Jesus knew the heart. And Jesus saw the faith of these four men. The Bible says he rewarded them bringing him. Now, who got the reward there? No trick question. I think all of them did right? You have a man that was paralyzed that, that God healed in this very moment in his house. I mean, in fact, once the people stopped grumbling, you read that in the story, once the people stopped grumbling, then he said to the man, stand up and walk. Anybody can say your sins are forgiven. I mean, you might get a few weird looks and be asked to leave the restaurant this afternoon if you look at a man that's down on his body and says, hey, your sins are forgiven, right? But if you say stand up and walk to a paralyzed man, and he does it. Everybody goes, wait a second, right? Who is this? And Jesus, in a moment, rewards the faith of four men who decided no matter what it takes, I'm bringing this guy to Jesus. I don't know about you. As a pastor, I wish I had a lot more stories than I do about me having that type of heart to say, I know what you need. You need Jesus. In these bottom of the ninth moments, when people are hurting, and people are sad, people are confused, people are angry, they want answers, don't they? They want helpful answers. They want solutions to their problems. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you today, what we see in this story is that sometimes what people need is just Jesus. Now, you would think a pastor would say that, right? Like, all right, so I'm supposed to hear all these problems and say, oh, you just need Jesus, <laughs> right? Just, and, and I don't know about you, but there's different ways to say that when you don't know what to say. Like, oh, bless your heart, I'll pray for you. What does that mean? Like, when you say... Bless your heart, I'll pray for you. Not that you don't mean it, because I've said that a lot, because I don't know what to say, right? And it doesn't mean that you don't mean it and that it's authentic, but often we say that because we don't know what else to do. And so you might not think it's sufficient enough to hear, okay, wait a second, so you want me to help people just by pointing them to Jesus, just by telling them that God loves them. And I'd say, yeah. Now, that's easy for me as a pastor now when I walk into a hospital room. 
Because this first pastor that I worked with, he used to say, Jason, people are more open to God and looking up and being open to him when they're on their backs. And I never forget him saying that. The hospital room is an easy place when you have a, a, a pastor or a clergy member or the, or the hospital chaplain. The most godless of people listen to a chaplain in the hospital, right? Even though they may be, they may live all their lives not open to God, not open to faith, they'll listen in the hospital, right? So it's kind of a safe environment or safer. I have been asked to leave hospital rooms. They don't all go very well, right? But like that's an open environment to say, they say well, that's kind of an easy one. But I, I would say this to you. If you're a believer, if you have a faith in Jesus, it's sufficient enough for you to do what these men did in this moment and just say, hey, can I pray for you? Because I really believe that Jesus can help you. Two things today that I want to ask you to do. The first one is be present. Just be present. The being present part is more than just, hey, Someone's in the hospital, so to speak, and you go to the hospital and you're just there with them, right? Because that is sometimes what people need. I know that you feel the pressure of that, but that being present is what God wants us to do because he is present with us. There's a promise that's from the scripture that says, if you believe in Jesus and you ask forgiveness for your sins, that the Holy Spirit will be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. And God wants us to extend that presence to others. And so I would encourage you, be present. Just yesterday, um, some of you may have been following this story on Facebook, but I, I believe it's hashtag strong for miles. Is that correct? Someone's shaking their head. Good. Um, and just yesterday, the story of a young little boy um, named Miles passed away. And I don't know how old. I'm going to guess two or three months, something like that, eight, nine, ten weeks. Could be a little bit less, a little bit more than that. He's been fighting for his life. Um, and yesterday they decided a couple days ago because the child's been having seizures all week long and a lot of complications for a lot of different things. Jason, the father, and Kristen, the mother, decided at the counsel and at the advice of the doctors um, to really let him go. It was a tough moment. And her comment yesterday in faith was extremely powerful. And she see the faith of a mom who trusts God and the faith of a mom who's displaying her faith to those, some that have faith and some that don't. A very, very, very tough situation. And uh, one of my former co-workers, the church that I served at, um, was on the way you know, to the hospital to, to be with her. You could imagine in that moment, she's like, what in the world do I say? And you know what Kristen needed at that moment? And what she needs from today and the days on, what she's had in the past weeks, but what she needs, she needs the presence of people that love her. And sometimes it's okay for you just to say, I, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm here with you. And you, that's when you put your hands on someone's shoulders and say, you know I love you. You know God loves you. And you know I'm praying for you. You're pointing people to Jesus. And that's the second part, not just presence, but it's pointing people to Jesus. It's pointing people to Jesus. And, and I'm going to challenge you here. This is hard because you're like, well, how do I point people to Jesus, right? As I've already shared a few stories, like, Pastor, you can't even expect someone to say something about God or pointing people to Jesus. But I, I would say you can be like one of those four men who lowered the paralytic to Jesus. You can step into someone's life that's hurting and say, I don't know all the answers. I wish I could help you more, but I do know this. Fill in the blank, right? I have a faith in God, and I know he encourages me along the way. 
Or maybe it's through a text message where you send Psalm 23 and you say, I've read this. It's been a lot to me. And I'm praying this Psalm for you. I want you to know what you're asking for people to do is what has been done for you. Someone, if you have faith in this room, someone at some point pointed you to Jesus. Like this paralytic, what he wanted was to walk, right? But what these four men knew is that Jesus could help him walk. And you know that you've been hurting. And so many of you have experienced when Jesus stepped into your life and helped you. And you're looking at other people that are hurting. And often you think this, I wish that they knew Jesus. I wish that they knew. And you don't have to go into a hospital room and say, hey, I'm sorry you're sick, but let me tell you the story about Jesus. And you can start going into this long story about what Jesus has done for you. And that, I think that God can use that. He has used that. I've done that before. But I'm, just to take the pressure off of you, you don't have to do that. But somehow, some way, in a hurtful moment in other people's lives when they're hurting and they're in need, somehow, some way, point to Jesus. That can be done in a prayer. And not, some of you may be uncomfortable with this and not there in your journey yet. Like, I'm, pastors pray over people. I don't, right? But me stepping into a room and just, hey, hey, everyone, let's pray. You can do that. You can take that step. At some point in your journey, just, just say, I want to pray. Sometimes it's weird when you're a pastor. I think you walk into a room and it's time to pray. I mean, who are they looking to? Even family gatherings, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, yo, I like to pray, but somebody else can pray too, right? I mean, we all have faith in Jesus. Like, you can pray over someone that's hurting and saying, God, will you help them? And some people, I don't know this man's faith background, but somehow, some way, meaning the paralytic, I don't know what his background was, but somehow, some way, Jesus cut straight to the heart and said, I forgive you. His heart must have been open. His heart must have been more than, listen, I don't want to be forgiven. I, I just want you to help me walk. No. If that was his heart, I don't think Jesus would have healed him. Speculation, because I don't know. But Jesus healed him because he was open. And because he had faith. I mean, he looked at Jesus. I mean, he, he, in his heart, he's probably thinking, I think you can do it. Otherwise, I'd be like, yo, don't put me on this mat. I don't need to go anywhere else. I'm, I'm fine. People have tried to heal me before, and it didn't happen. No, no, no. This man was open. And when people are hurting, in the words of Mark Reiser, when people are on their back, they're looking In these bottom of the ninth moments, people are hurting. People are in the batter's box, so to speak, and they don't have a bat, right? They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They just know they need help. Let me just challenge you. Take a step this week to be present in someone's life that's hurting. Take a step this week to step into someone's life who's hurting and point them to Jesus. You don't have to ask questions and put them on the spot. You can just point them. And an easy one for me is to say, hey, I don't understand what you're going through. Because people, you ever talk to someone that is trying to act like they know what you're going through and you're like, you don't have a clue? Anybody? Don't do that. Oh, yeah, man, I know it's hard. No, you don't know, right? And so just a little coaching for me to you. And I know you could coach me how to do this too. Sometimes we need to say, I don't know what you're going through some grace communicate. I don't understand what you're going through, but I do know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can help you. And I know we have to be practical. There's a lot of practical messages like, okay, Jesus can help me. Where? Set me up a meeting, right? I know there's the practical important side. What sometimes people need is your presence and they need to be pointed to Jesus. They also need counseling, right? 
Or they need $100 to pay the bill that they're overdue. I know there's the practical side, and you can do that too. Go ahead, keep doing that practical side. But sometimes people just need your presence. And they need, and when they're hurting, to be pointed to a God who loves them. What happens in their heart? Two things. First is the gratitude of man. This is the result of your step of faith, by the way. The result of your step of faith is the gratitude of man. What happens to people when you step into their lives? They're grateful. But why? Because you didn't have to. Right? They're grateful and they're, they're, they're humbled. Have you ever been so served by someone else in your time of hurting that you felt like, i got to do something for them, right? You just in, immediately just want to do something in response to show your gratitude. Well, the gratitude of man is significant. Why? It opens hearts. It communicates love. It shows grace. It shows mercy. It's the, you didn't have to do this for me. Now, you can have gratitude and it not point towards this next part. But the type of faith that I'm challenging you to take that step for, to serve people and to meet those needs, to be present and to point people to Jesus, the gratitude of man goes way beyond just men. You know what happens next? It's the glory of God. The glory of God happens. It goes beyond people, especially when you're able to, and that's the next part, gratitude of man and then the glory of God. When you're able to serve someone, you take that step and you're present in someone's life and you point them to Jesus and God meets the need or you meet the need, God uses you to meet the need. People are grateful. And then the gratitude goes beyond me saying to Melissa here, thank you, Melissa. No, it goes beyond to say, wow, I can't believe Melissa. And she sees the faith of Melissa. And all of a sudden the gratitude goes through Melissa and God gets it. I've heard people that do not have faith, and they will let you know they do not have faith, to be blown away by the grace, the mercy, and the love of people that have faith in God. I've heard people say, praise God, and I've been like, wait a second, did you just say praise God? I think they meant it, right? Look at what happens to this man. A paralytic who stands up, God heals him. He stands up. Look at what verse 12 says. He rose immediately, picked up his bed, went out before them so that all, how many? All. Say it again with me. How many? Everyone. Not just the man, not the four people, the four corners, picking him up, lowering him through the roof. Like everyone glorified God saying we never saw anything like this. I'm like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. It can't be all because there were people that just got on to Jesus for his claim. So Jesus, you can't forgive. That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. He's like, watch this. <laughs> I love it. Like, if you recommended to Jesus, Jesus doesn't need any recommending to, but if you recommended to Jesus, say, Jesus, how about you heal him first? Get everyone's attention and then deal with the heart issue, right? Walk into the room with the doctor. What the patient wants to hear from the doctor is how to get better. I want you to tell me, doctor, I'm okay. I want you to tell me how to get better. And if I got some life problems, we can deal with that later. No, no, no. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give everyone's attention. And it's not by getting him to stand up. I'm going to give everyone's attention by forgiving him of his heart issues. I'm just going to forgive him. I'm going to show him that I love him. I, I care more. This is Jesus, right? Speculation, Jason, not what the Bible says. I mean, Jesus is saying, I care more about this guy's heart than I do him walking. You know, there are people that can't walk, that love life. And we're inspired by them. And they're thinking, I don't need to walk to love life. I don't need to walk to love my, love my wife, right? 
Jesus dealt with the heart before he dealt with the legs. And Jesus got all their attention, got them all riled up, got them fired up. And they said, how can you do that? Only God can do that. And he says, again, watch this. Rise, stand up, walk. The guy stands up. And the Bible doesn't say that the believers, those that believed in Jesus, the Bible doesn't say the man and his four buddies, right? The man says all were amazed at what God just did. And what happened? They're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That was a great sermon. Oh, no. I think they forgot about the sermon. Thank you for coming. Thank you for allowing us to come over to your house tonight, Jesus, right? It's been a good night. They walked away absolutely blown away. That the, that the greatest need in this physical man's life had been met miraculously by Jesus. And I don't think there were many thank yous that night. There was more praise, right? Praise to God. And when you do the same, when you're present in someone's life and you take that step of faith and you jump into someone's life and you point them to God, or you meet that need. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm praying for you, you, meet, you actually meet that need. Sometimes you can meet that need. Great. When you can meet that need or you can help that person, you can do what people need because they can't do it themselves. They look past you, right? And they see a God who loves them. Started following Jesus when I was 18 years old. Went to the University of South Carolina, studied music education. I really just got excited about the Bible for the first time. I started reading it on my own and not waiting for a pastor to teach it. And I was blown away at what I had been reading. And I started telling people boldly about Jesus. And uh, college students aren't ready to hear that, right? A lot of people aren't. But, um, and so they would say, hey, do you want to come to my party? I'm like, no, you want to come to mine? <laughs> and they were like, no, thank you. you know, so I started telling people about Jesus. And I remember this one girl came up to me and she said, you're a Christian. I said, yeah. And I'd never met her in my life. Her name's Jill. And Jill came up to me and said, you're a Christian? I said, yeah. She goes, you know, you're just happy all the time. I'm like, no, I'm not. But <laughs> thank you for that. I think what she saw, she saw past what I was saying or what I was doing. She saw something different. And people see something different in you when you love them the way that God loves them, with a sacrificial love. And when you meet a need that you don't have to meet this week, I don't know what that looks like for you, I just challenge you. When you meet a need that you don't have to meet, people see beyond you. I mean, they'll thank you. And I realized that what Jill saw me was not me. I'm naturally not a happy person, right? And I don't mean like, and I'm a happy person. Let me just back that up. Without God, my life would have looked a lot different, right? I mean, that's what I mean. Without God, she saw God, not just a happy guy right? She saw the, she saw the Lord. She, she saw something different. And people need to see that in Christians. So if you're a Christian, go out of this room and just say, God, help me to be present in someone's life that needs help. God, help me to point people to Jesus. And finally, on the practical side, if there's a need and I can meet it, if I can take sort of pinch it, so to speak, if I can step in and take something off of someone's shoulders, God, I want to do that this week. And they'll see beyond you. And they'll see a God who loves them. And that might just be the first part of their journey in seeing a God that loves them and seeing a God that cares about them. So church, believers, 
go out. And if you're exploring faith for the first time, I want, I want to say this to you. Some of this, maybe you don't connect to it, but if you're exploring faith for the first time, there is a God who did that for you when you needed it the most. And what he did, he died on the cross 2,000 plus years ago to offer the forgiveness of sins to anyone that would believe in him. And now he's given us that mantle. Just like I've loved you, just like I, Jesus, have given my life for you, now you go and do the same. And when you do, people see past you. It's not about me. Like I said, what Jill saw that day was she saw the Lord. She saw something different in a, in a college freshman that had just met Jesus, right? And Jesus can use you to do the same. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in all things today, you would use us to meet the needs in people's lives that they cannot meet themselves. As I read this week, and did not quote even during the, during the sermon, but as I read this week, as the challenge, like what Clay Scroggins has said, that we want to be the body to anybody that needs somebody. And help us to do that, God. People need somebody. They need help. And we want to be the ones to help them. And so, Lord, give us courage. Some of us just need that courage to be present in people's lives. Some of us just need that step of faith to point others to Jesus. When we don't want to know what to say, I know that you'll help us. And when we need that step of courage, I know that you'll push us. Thank you for this time. God, challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, in just a few moments, what we're going to do is just sing a song. And that song is created a part of the service to give us space to just deal with God. Some of us just want to sing and worship. And some of us may want to reflect and say, God, give me the courage, right, to, to, to be someone in someone's life that needs me. Because someone out there needs you, right? Just like you needed somebody, somebody needs you. So you just may want to deal with the Lord and say, God, encourage me, give me courage to be the, the body that people need. And we're also going to take an offering at this moment. This is a moment where we carve out for people that call Encounter Church Home, where we can give an offering to the Lord and a gift. And so if this is, uh, you call Encounter Church Home, this is our time to give. If you're a first-time guest with us, we really would just encourage you to take some time to fill out the connection card. Um, and if you filled out the connection card, the paper that you received when you came in the door, you can just offer it, uh, place it in the offering basket as it comes around. We hope that today's message has been encouraging to you. Most of all, I hope it challenges you to step out in a place this week where you can step into someone's life that needs help and encourage them. Let's stand and sing. Uh, this final song together. Thanks again.